Georgia's DBHDD reminds people that the Good Samaritan Law can save lives during alcohol and drug overdoses. People are urged to call 911 and stay until help arrives. More information at opioidresponse.info. Welcome to Political Rewind. I'm Bill Nygut. I, I don't think it's in any way an exaggeration to say that we're beginning what will be one of the most important weeks in, in the history of the United States. We, we know that no American president has ever before worked to overturn the legitimate votes of the people, as Trump has been doing for nine weeks now. This all culminates, of course, on Wednesday when Congress meets to confirm the victory of Joe Biden in the Electoral College. But the president now has at least a dozen Republican members of the Senate and scores of Republicans in the House who have aligned with him to challenge the votes of the Electoral College, among them uh, Jody Heiss and Barry Loudermilk of Georgia. And, of course, all this plays out even as we head into the final day of voting in the Georgia runoff election for the U.S. Senate tomorrow, an election which will determine who controls the uh, Senate, Republicans or Democrats. And as if all this isn't enough, uh, we heard and saw this shocking and some people think potentially criminal phone call that President Trump made to Brad Raffensperger on Saturday demanding that the Secretary of State find more than 11,000 votes to make Trump the winner of the state. So with both Trump and President-elect Joe Biden campaigning in the state today, with Kamala Harris having been here yesterday, Georgia is at the center of a political storm that students of American history are going to be taught for decades as we come to a moment when the principles of democratic self-rule are at stake. Jim Galloway, my partner on Mondays and Fridays, lead political writer for the AJC. I don't think that's an, any of that is an exaggeration, do you? I wish it were. I wish it were. But I mean, we have got we've got some uh, Republican uh, elected officials in Georgia who are making uh, uh, lifelong decisions this week. All right. All right. We're, we're going to talk about all of that. And uh, having introduced Jim, who, by the way, you read on Wednesdays and uh, Sundays in the paper. And he at this point still oversees the political uh, insider blog at AJC.com. So he's here, of course. Um, we're also joined for the first time by the newly minted editor of the Savannah Morning News, Raina Cash. Uh, Raina, it's a real pleasure to have you here. You've been in place since the summer and uh, come directly from the Louisville Courier-Journal, but you put in about, what, seven years at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution before that, right? That's right. Um, in the early early to mid-2000s, I was at the AJC. I held a lot of different roles there. Uh, but it's, uh, it's great to be back in Georgia, and it's an honor to be on your program this morning. So uh, thank you for having me. We're very glad to have you here. We're also joined by uh, Representative Mary Margaret Oliver, a Democratic state rep from uh, Decatur. Mary Margaret, big day for you and your fellow Democrats, just as it is for Republicans all pushing for the final day of voting tomorrow, right? Good morning. Um, as of the world particularly the eyes of the United States are on Georgia again. And it's an ex it is a very exciting week. It's also a very troubling week on lots of different levels. 
We're also joined by Brian Robinson. He, of course, is a, a Republican political consultant. He is the president of Robinson Republic, a communications firm. He served as communications director for uh, 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 Governor Nathan Deal during Governor Deal's first term in office, and even before that was up on the Hill with uh, uh, Representative Lynn Westmoreland. How are you doing today, Brian? I'm doing great. I had a nice, restful New Year's weekend with the family. It was very nice. Well, thank you for joining us as well. All right, let's get right to this tape story. Uh, Jim, before we play, we're going to play several excerpts from the Trump conversation, and we're going to play them at some length, because although on the news you've heard very short excerpts, I think to play them out a little bit longer gives us more context for our conversation. But first, Jim, let's point something out here. The, the providence of this tape. Um, I heard Newt Gingrich say on Fox News that Brad Raffensperger's office intentionally withheld uh, publication of this tape until right before the runoff election to do damage to Leffler and Purdue, which seems to me to make no sense at all, given that Raffensperger is a Republican. As it turns out, Jim, Raffensperger's office, Raffensperger's office says, yes, we taped this, but we had no intention of releasing it unless we were attacked by President Trump. Well, on Sunday morning, President Trump, in a tweet, attacked and gave misinformation about the nature of the conversation after which this tape was released. And I can only assume by the Secretary of State's office itself, although I frankly don't know that, Jim. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's I think it's safe to assume that. Uh, and and yes, yes, they 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 recorded that uh, conversation very much in self-defense. Uh, because you have a you have a president who is uh, known not to abide by the truth, and he's going to characterize something uh, 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 to 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 fit his own whims. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, this was this was definitely a matter of self defense here. Okay, so let's listen to the first of the uh, 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 pieces that we're going to play of this thing, and this is the one in which. First, we hear Trump uh, make this now well-publicized request about the number of votes he wants the Secretary of State to find for him. But then we're going to hear Brad Raffensperger push back very firmly and politely. Here we go. So, look, all I want to do is this. I just want to find uh, 11,780 votes, which is one more than we have. Because we won the state, and flipping the state is a great testament to our country. Because, you know, and there's, there's, there's just a, it's a testament that they can admit to a mistake, or whatever you want to call it, if it was a mistake. I don't know. A lot of people think it wasn't a mistake. It was much more uh, criminal than that. But it's a big problem in Georgia, and it's, it's not a problem that's going away. I mean, you know, it's not a problem that's going away. And, and we got President, this is Ryan. We're yeah. looking into every one of those things that, that you mentioned. Um, okay, and that's good. Know, but if you find them, you got to say it, Ryan. Look, if they let me ask you, Ryan, if they're destroying ballots, let me tell you what we are seeing. Go ahead. Good. We, what, what we're seeing is not at all what you're describing. Okay. Uh, and it, these are investigators from our office. These are investigators from uh, GBI, um, and they're looking, and they're good. And that's not what they're seeing. And we'll keep we'll we'll keep looking. We'll keep looking at all these things. Well, you better check on the saying, ballots because they are shredding ballots, Brian. I'm just telling you, Ryan, they're shredding ballots, and uh, you should look at that very carefully because that's so illegal. 
you know, you may not even believe it because it's so bad, but, but they're shredding ballots because they think we're going to eventually get there because we'll eventually get into Fulton. You know, it's, uh, in my opinion, it's never, my opinion is never too late. By the way, I, I should have pointed out that it's Ryan Germany who who uh, is talking. He is a lawyer for the Secretary of State's office, and he's the Ryan who the president refers to uh, in in that sound. Uh, Ray, let me go around. Raina, uh, your initial thoughts as you hear uh, that, and just in terms of the entire story about this phone call in general. It's just astounding. Um, you know, you, you you thought for a moment there that there, this could not be real. But uh, it's just absolutely incredible that um, that this happened. And at the end of that clip there that you just played, Bill, he says, in my opinion, it's never too late. And I believe that is uh, the president's character to the core. Like he is going to fight. He's going to throw out every allegation. He's going to throw out every wild accusation um, until he has nothing else to give. Uh, so it, it should not have come as a, a shock, but nevertheless, um, it did. And uh, I think we're all just trying to, to get our legs under us about, uh, you know, such a December or December or January surprise. Brian, what's fascinating about this, aside from the fact that it's abhorrent in many ways, is I, I don't think there's any question that the president of the United States has convinced himself he really did win this election. It, it, I, I think he's st- truly fighting, believing somehow he won this thing. No, I, I agree. That was one of my two takeaways from, you know, reading a story and listening to parts of that case is that this is not just wild accusations on, in his part. He's not just cynically pressing this case. He really does believe the conspiracy theories that are being pushed out there. He has gotten into this echo chamber. And this is something we see with presidents often at the end of the first term. There's no longer people around them who tell them hard truths. And and I think that he's around people who are telling him that these conspiracy theories are true. You know, when Raffensperger said, you can't believe all this stuff on social media. He goes, no, it's not social media. It's Trump media is what he said. And I think that is what it is. Trump media is telling him that it was stolen. And he is, I think he is convinced that it was. I'm surprised at myself frequently um, that I continue to be shocked and I continue to be upset. Um, at the kinds of things that uh, President Trump says and he does. I've been thinking a lot about Jimmy Carter recently uh, for a hundred different reasons. And in in my lifetime, my uh, voting lifetime, people of the United States elected Jimmy Carter and they elected Donald Trump. Donald Trump was never qualified to be president of the United States. And his daily demeanor consistently every single day as president has been uh, that of somebody with no moral integrity who cannot understand the truth, maybe intentionally or maybe not intentionally doesn't understand the truth. I can't make that judgment. We have 16 days to go, and um, all of us that have spent a lot of time trying to study the electoral 
College Count Act of 1887 uh, and weird historical uh, eras of our uh, history are going to have another opportunity on Wednesday uh, to see history made. But what's most important to me is um, how much more damage can President Trump do in the next 16 days? Jim? Uh, yeah, yeah uh, one of the most disturbing things about this has, uh, again, again, has been uh, – Outside of outside of Raffensperger, we have have yet to uh, hear any Georgia Republican, uh, an elected Georgia Republican, say this is wrong, uh, that this is this this should not be happening. Uh, even Brian Kemp this morning was asked about it, and and he 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 just said, oh, it's a distraction. Let's not talk about it, uh, because of because he thinks it cuts into Tuesday's election. Uh, the one the one Republican I have heard come out. Uh, is, is is David Schaefer, the state GOP chairman, uh, who's who who accused Raffensperger of uh, of of breaching a a confidential settlement conference with the president? Uh, and and yeah, I would was, like to hear. Tweet. Yeah, I would like to hear. I would like to hear from the the, the only lawyer among us uh, what she thinks about this. Mary Margaret, just to be clear, here's what, David, here's, here's what here's what David wait here's what David Schaefer said in his tweet. Mind-boggling that Georgia Secretary of State and his lawyers would secretly record and release a quote confidential settlement conference with the president. This is lawlessness. Go ahead, Mary Margaret. Well, it's ridiculous to suggest that a call from the president of the United States to Secretary of State Raffensperger is somehow settlement agreement. That's ridiculous assertion. What's more relevant, more interesting, is uh, Official Code of Georgia 21-2-610, which uh, sets up a misdemeanor and felony conviction for conspiracy to commit election fraud. I think that's the real statute that uh, prosecuting-type lawyers are looking at today in terms of the facts of the president calling saying, give me 11,970 votes because I won the election, so give them to me. Um, but the idea that, that the, this is what's interesting to me, the Republican head of the party chooses in response to this cell phone call to attack Secretary of Raffensperger, um, on some ridiculous, legally unfounded and ridiculous allegation that the phone call was a settlement conference of some kind. How does that help, um, the average more apolitical but genuinely voting Republican Georgia in the suburbs uh, respond to his his or her interest to go vote tomorrow for what is an intellectually dishonest uh, party. Um, All right. I want to get we're going to follow up on that exact comment. But but before we do, Sam and Jesse, can we go right to clip number three? Let's skip number two. And go right to clip number three, because I think this is important and actually sets up a conversation about what we might expect when the president shows up in Dalton tonight. Here again is President Trump talking to Raffensperger and Ryan Germany. Stacey Abrams is laughing about, you know, she's going around saying these guys are dumber than a rock. What she's done to this party is unbelievable, I tell you. And I only ran against her once, and that was with a guy named Brian Kemp, and I beat her. 
And if I didn't run, Brian wouldn't have had even a shot, either in the general or in the primary. He was dead, dead as a doornail. He never thought he had a shot at either one of them. What a schmuck I was. But that's the way it is. That's the way it is. Uh, I would like you to, uh, uh, for the attorneys of Russia, I'd like you to perhaps meet with Ryan ideally tomorrow, because I think we should come to a resolution of this before the election. Otherwise, you're going to have... You're going to have people just not voting. They don't want to vote. They hate the state. They hate the governor. And they hate the secretary of state. I will tell you that right now. And the only people that like you are people that will never vote for you. You know that, Brad, right? They like you. You know, they like you. They can't believe what they found. They want more people like you. So, look, uh, can you get together tomorrow? And, Brad, we just want the truth. It's simple. And, uh... And everyone's going to look very good if the truth comes out. It's okay. It'll take a little while, but let the truth come out. And the, tru the real truth is I won by 400,000 votes, at least. That's the real truth. But we don't need 400,000 votes. We need uh, less than 2,000 votes. Not quite sure what the president is talking about with 2,000 votes there. But, Raina, this does set up the question of what the heck is going to happen in Dalton tonight. Um, we know, based on at least demographics, Raina, you know, nothing is certain. But we think that Democrats in general have outperformed Republicans in early voting, uh, both mail-in and in-person early voting. We, we believe that Republicans are going to need a significant turnout uh, tomorrow on the final day of voting if they, uh, plan, if they think they're going to win this thing. Um, what is, I mean, if you were Kelly Leffler or David Perdue, I'm wondering if we really want the president to show up tonight. <laughs> That's the scary proposition, right? Um, let me start first by saying that I don't think Stacey Abrams is spending much time uh, putting down the Republicans as much as she is or, or thinking about Donald Trump as much as she is trying to motivate and engage the Democrats. Let's let's start there. But in terms of tomorrow, it's it's hard to it's hard to know whether uh, this puts the wind at the back of the Democrats um, because the reason <clears throat> Joe Biden won it was a repudiation against Donald Trump, and so now he doubles down on that here in the last lap of of this race or these races, and so it could do far more damage to uh, Kelly Leffler and David Perdue than we might have even anticipated. It's hard to think that this conversation, this, this release of this tape, uh, really inspires the uh, Republicans who are already on the fence and, and not trusting this, elector, this election process, whether this motivates them to get out or inspires them. It could have and may well have the exact opposite effect, is, is my suspicion. Brian, for any number of reasons, history is on the side of Republicans, Leffler and Purdue, to win this runoff uh, tomorrow. You know that. Republicans have never lost a statewide uh, runoff. Um, but give us your take on what what is Trump's—Trump's Trump's obviously going to pursue this in Dalton tonight— what does that do for Leffler and Purdue's chances of getting the turnout they clearly are going to need tomorrow? Well, you know, it, it has been since 1988, uh, since 
Democrats that want a statewide runoff. And so you would assume there are some fundamentals that are in the Republicans' favor. Plus, Republicans have a lot more to lose here. They got there's a Democrat president coming in, there's a Democrat House, and these elections could deliver a Democrat Senate. So Republicans have a lot more motivation to show up and vote to restore or ensure some balance of power in Washington. And it's not theoretical that the president may go down this rabbit hole in Dalton tonight. He says on that recording with Raffensperger, this is all going to come up again on Monday. And, you know, I think that he will, just like he did in Valdosta, uh, talk a lot about the election and uh, issue uh, as many attacks on Georgia Republicans as he does on Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff. But uh, I do hope that uh, he can focus on the Democrats. I do hope he can focus on what's at stake for the country, that he will focus on turnout in those mountain counties, not only in the 14th district where he'll be in Dalton, but also in the 9th district in northeast Georgia, which is also not seeing really high levels of turnout to this juncture. Republicans really need those counties where seven to eight out of every 10 voters are going to be Republican, uh, Leffler and Purdue voters. So there is a message that could be very effective. And Bill, the, the AJC and many other publications have been writing about the Democratic advantage in early voting. If you look at the modeling of the voters who have shown, shown up and the counties, where they've had the highest turnout, those indicators show that Democrats are going into Election Day with a fairly significant lead. Republicans really need a gangbusters turnout tomorrow in order to, to win this. The votes are out there. Republicans can still win, but we're going to need to see lines of voters in red counties, in the exurbs, in the rural counties, and... If you see three-minute wait times tomorrow, it's a really, really devastating sign. You know, Jim uh, and Mary but, Margaret, let's get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just, just a couple things here. Yeah, Brian's right. They uh, Republicans need just a, a staggering turnout tomorrow in order to carry uh, carry this off, uh, and this turnout is going to have have to happen in some in in some counties that have been extremely hard hit by COVID. Uh, Whitfield County has right now, where, where Trump will be speaking tonight, has kind of, has the fifth highest <coughs> infection rate in the state of Georgia at this point. One out of every ten residents has been diagnosed with it. Uh, and the, the second thing is to to uh, you were you were you were kind of hinting at who's going to be blamed if Republicans don't don't carry the day on Tuesday. Uh, Brian Kemp on Wednesday had a very very interesting press conference. It was only ten minutes long, but it was right after Rudy Giuliani kind of uh, made his pitch for for autocracy uh, in the state capitol, and and. Uh, basically, what he what he said was, uh, "I've done everything I can, all that I can, every minute that I can, to push the the, the reelection of Purdue and Leffler because I understand how important it is. I have not been a distraction in this contest, and that's that's kind of a backhanded way of saying that if 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 Republicans lose this on 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 Tuesday, it's on Trump." Yeah, yeah, Mary Margaret, get the last word in before the break. Choosing Whitfield County as a place for the president to go is just mind-boggling to me. The devastation of COVID in that area is exemplified by a very popular, very well-loved county commissioner dying of COVID 
uh, a month or two ago. Um, the region is now significantly higher than the rest of the state. Who's going to show up? Who's going to show up? Let me come in also on Brian Kemp's press conference last week. I happened to be watching it live uh, from my law office when I should have been working. And um, I was pretty interested. It, he, it, it felt like an authentic response on his part. He's doing everything he can. He's doing, the press conference obviously was about COVID. He's doing everything he can, in his view, um, to help Georgia protect itself from this deadly disease. And he's having to deal with the daily attacks of the president calling him names, again, schoolyard, middle school names, you're stupid, et cetera. It's mind-boggling. All right, let's do this. Um, let's get our first break of the show out of the way. When we come back, let's talk much more specifically about the Senate race itself and where uh, turnout uh, 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 has been taking place already. And as we've already discussed, where uh, both Republicans and Democrats need bigger numbers tomorrow. You're listening to Political Rewind. Thanks for listening to Political Rewind. If you like this show, you'll also like Georgia Today. It's a daily podcast from GPB News, bringing you compelling stories and in-depth reporting that you won't hear anywhere else. Join me, Peter Biello, for this quick and convenient way to get the best of GPB News' extensive coverage of the topics that matter to you, delivered directly to your device every weekday afternoon. Amelia Brock has been uh, monitoring Fox News while we're on the air today, and uh, David Perdue, she tells us, just made an appearance. He told the Fox anchors he thinks it's, quote, disgusting that the secretary of state would tape a sitting president. And he's looking forward to Trump tonight uh, at uh, the rally in Dalton, although I'm not quite sure whether David Perdue has been in quarantine because of exposure to COVID himself uh, will be at that rally. Uh, We do think that Kelly Loeffler certainly will be. We're joined by uh, Raina Cash, uh, the editor of the Savannah Morning News, uh, Mary Margaret Oliver, Brian Robinson, and of course, uh, my partner on Mondays and Fridays, uh, Jim uh, Galloway. Right, let's talk much more specifically about uh, what we're expecting to see tomorrow and in the next couple of days after that as the votes are counted. We do expect it's going to be a couple of days before we have a final outcome for this race. Uh, Jim, we just talked about the, tr- the Trump visit to Dalton. We, we know that he is going up there, at least certainly in part, uh, because Republicans have significantly underperformed in terms of early turnout, at least, in that area. Uh, and they really need to get, as we've already discussed across the state, a uh, big turnout. Um, and, and So let me give you a chance at that one. But let me add something for Raina Cash's benefit. The New York Times uh, had a piece this morning talking about efforts by Democrats to really turn out the black vote in much more significant ways and um, I want Raina, for your benefit, I want to read uh, one uh, paragraph from it. Savannah, founded in 1733, is Georgia's oldest city and arguably its most beguiling and beautiful. In statewide races, it can sometimes seem like a political afterthought, given its relatively small size compared with metropolitan Atlanta. But, but the piece points out that Kamala Harris went to Savannah yesterday because in early voting, Jim, Savannah and Chatham County have underperformed in terms of the turnout of black voters there. So take all that, Jim, and go with it, and then Raina will give you a chance. Yeah, a, a couple things. If you, if, you, if you go to Georgia Votes, 
Ryananderson.com. Uh, this is the Ryan Anderson uh, website, and he does a terrific job of, of, of maintaining stats on, on early voting. You'll see that the, 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 the lowest performing uh, county or, or a congressional district was the 11th. This is Barry Loudermilk's uh, district, which includes Cobb. Uh, and and a, 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 a just a, a slice of, of uh, Buckhead, as a matter of fact. But it, the weight of its vote is is north uh, uh, north of that in, in in Bartow, Cherokee County. And then you go to uh, we had mentioned the uh, 14th district. This is where uh, tr- the Trump rally will happen. It's uh, this this was won by Marjorie Taylor Greene, the the QAnon Congresswoman. Uh, uh, we, oh, she's not. She's been sworn in now. Uh, 69%, 69% uh, turnout of, of the 2020 turnout uh, has occurred in this one, 68 in, in in District 11. and But when you compare, say, the 13th, 13th is David Scott. It's, it's, it's a Democratic-drawn district, 80%. Uh, if, if Republicans can't match those numbers, offset those numbers on Tuesday, they're going to be in a world of hurt. Um, Brian, uh, Republic or Democrats. Well, actually, Raina, let me give you a shot at this and then turn to Brian and Mary Margaret. Um, if you do look at Ryan Anderson's Georgia Votes website and look at the breakdown in general statewide, the black vote has overperformed where it was in the general election. It's above 30 percent as opposed to what, 27 plus percent, I think, on November 3rd. Again, that's one of the signs, along with the fact that we have 110,000 new voters who participated in the runoff and early voting. These are, again, signs of why Democrats are feeling at least somewhat optimistic about tomorrow. Um, the, the turnout in Chatham County hasn't been what it was in the general election, but I, I think you're right. In general, um, it appears that the, uh, the black vote is, is up. Um, you have all of those new voters or, or people who are voting in this election that did not vote in November, uh, with the assumption being that a lot of those are uh, votes for Democrats. Um, Kamala Harris was here last night in Garden City, and uh, we spoke to a lot of people on the ground. And uh, despite the enthusiasm of having the vice president-elect in town, uh, we heard a lot of angst, a lot of uh, concern from voters um, not feeling overly confident uh, about these early numbers that we're seeing. They're, they're not sort of boasting or anything like that. Uh, everyone expects there to be some kind of surge uh, in person tomorrow. Um, and uh, opposite uh, Kamala Harris here yesterday was um, Secretary Senator Tim Scott uh, from South Carolina, so he was trying to, you know, offset the uh, the Harris influence here in in Chatham County. Mary Margaret, confidence is not something you should ever have going into an election, regardless of how favorable the early voting be. Uh, one more time, let's thank Stacey Abrams. Uh, Stacey Abrams has been the face on the national news for the last several days. Uh, against solidifying her position as as an extremely prominent person on delivering votes. But she's joined by 60 other organizations. And I watched the volunteers just around me who've written 500,000 notes, postcards, who uh, called 2 million people, who've gone to I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of doors. 
the grand game to get out the early vote and the absentee vote is not ended when absentee and early voting ended on Friday. It continues as we speak. The Democrats, led by Stacey Abrams, deserve an enormous uh, pat on the back for grand game delivery. Confidence, though, is not something that I would ever assert uh, when you're in this incredibly unusual historical spot. It looks good for the Democrats. History does not favor the Democrats in runoff. Uh, Republicans having a strong surge tomorrow seems very unlikely to me. However, and so I'm, I'm obviously choosing to be hopeful for the Democrats. Well, the 32% number for the uh, black percentage of the runoff electorate will go down on Tuesday. And whether it gets down to 27%, which is you know, where it was in uh, November, we'll see. Uh, you know, typically, a 27% uh, black percentage of the electorate in Georgia would mean a Republican victory. But pretty much anything below 30 normally would suggest uh, the, favor, the favor goes to the Republicans. But what has changed is that in November, 30% of white voters voted for Biden. And that really was as much of a significant part of uh, Biden's win here as anything. And, of course, you know, we know that the, the, the Biden-Purdue voter, the Biden-Republican state legislator voter is, a, a, you know, a rare find. It's hard to go find those people. But they're out there. There's not many of them, but they were decisive in a margin of 12,000 or less. So those folks will be an interesting um, uh, player here, too. And I would imagine most of those Biden-Purdue voters are, are white. That would, be my, that would be my guess. They're people who are probably longtime Republicans who uh, had some reservations about the president. I think, we, I think it's a pretty safe assumption. So what do they do on uh, on Tuesday? Do they uh, stick with the Republicans because they are concerned about control of Washington and control of the Senate and uh, don't want unified Democrat control? Uh, or does the president's involvement get them to turn out for the Democrats? I think that'll be interesting. Jim? Yeah, and actually, I mean, this is—it's been—it's uh, going to be interesting because we've we've had uh, nine weeks uh, since the the November third election to for for those those Biden Purdue voters to, to to determine whether Purdue and Leffler are with them or with Trump, and that's what make, that's what makes uh, what happens what's been happening over these last four or five days very very interesting. Because uh, David Perdue has said he would he he would vote to, to uh, dismiss the electoral college votes of Georgia. Uh, f- uh, on where he where he he is he is technically an ex senator today, uh, but well, yeah. well, because his term ran out. But uh, but uh, if he were if he were there sitting vo- and voting, he would support that effort. Leffler has has kind of walked the fence on that. But I think if, uh, by everything we know about her right now, is that she, I think she too would would side with with uh, with with Trump. Uh, and so so this smidgen of voter. Uh, of 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 ballots that Brian is talking about uh, becomes, I, I think, could become very fluid. I think that's really important. And Rain, I, I, I want to get you in on this. It, if in fact 
Biden won Georgia in large measure because of those, especially suburban white voters, who could no longer tolerate President Trump. This call yesterday, it seems to me, reinforces all the reasons that those voters decided to go with Joe Biden in November. And the question is, given what Galloway is saying about the way in Leffler and Purdue have stood by President Trump through all of the storms in the post-election period, it's very likely, you know, going to be an important factor in, in their voting if they haven't done so already. I think that those voters who there are there is at least a percentage of voters who were convinced that they would um, punch the Purdue Leffler Purdue and Leffler tickets after this call. I think that's more of a question now, especially um, building on what what Jim said about the fact that we know that if Purdue were able to to vote on this electoral uh, certification, that, um, you know, he would challenge it as and we would assume that Kelly Leffler would as well. And so it's not money in the bank uh, the way that you might have thought it, it would have been. And also, I think uh, we, we can't assume. I mean, we have to think that the Democrats are going to get out and vote tomorrow, too, not just. Uh, the early votes, they haven't just mailed in their ballots and early vote and then walked away. Hmm. They're going to show up at the polls as well. And so how many and even more so because of this call yesterday. So, yeah, the, the Democratic voters that supported Nakima Williams, Carolyn Bordeaux and Lucy McBath are excited and have an opportunity again uh, tomorrow to put a new face on Georgia. What excites me in positive, very positive view that I have today, despite the horrors of what the president did over the weekend, and despite uh, the attacks on um, Georgia elected officials like Brian Kemp, is that Georgia's face on Wednesday is going to be John Ossoff, Reverend Raphael Warnock, uh, Carolyn Bordeaux, Lucy McBath, and Nakima Williams. I'm just very excited about that new face of Georgia. And across uh, Georgia, uh, white, Asian, Hispanic, and moderate voters are going to look and say uh, Kelly Leffler and David Perdue have not done well enough for us because of COVID, because of the economy, because of the $2,000 stimulus, and because perhaps, perhaps because they have filed a totally uh, intellectually dishonest, manipulative bully in President Trump. So, so um, before we get to our break, uh, one final comment in this uh, segment, Jim. Um, we, we do have to prepare everyone for the fact that we're likely to see a number of days go. We, we are likely to see a repeat of November 3rd, although let's hope it doesn't play out over, what, 10 days before Georgia finally decided the presidential race. Um, but we not, we not, we're not going to have an answer to who won, I don't think, first thing Wednesday morning, which, by the way, is one of the reasons we're doing two live shows on Wednesday. And Sam and Amelia and I have decided that every day after that that we need to do two live shows, we will. But we are likely to see the same sort of problem if this thing is terribly close, right? Challenges, uh, uh, going to court, uh, uh, rhetoric about an unfair, a fixed election, Jim. It's not looking very 
positive in the days ahead for us. No, no, this is this is what uh, whichever way this goes. Uh, well, especially if it goes against Republicans, it's it's going to end up yeah. in court. That's in one. That's one reason for these for for all these lawsuits that have been filed already in front of the election because judges yeah. don't like you coming in after the fact and saying why didn't you raise these problems earlier they've 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 been very careful about uh, laying out uh, er, uh, early issues that they can go back and revisit all right let's do this let's take our final break of the show and when we come back let's talk a little bit about what's happening on Capitol Hill on Wednesday where what should be a routine procedure is turning into uh, look like, like, looking like a very big drama. We'll be right back. Jim Galloway, we know that we now have probably about a dozen and maybe more, depending on what happens in the next day or so, members of the U.S. Senate, all Republicans, of course, and, and well over 100 Republican members of the House who are uh, prepared to challenge the uh, very basic uh, pro forma certification of the Electoral College vote on Wednesday. They're going to demand uh, time on the floor, a couple of hours at least, to debate what possible fraud there has been in the election. We know there really hasn't been any. Republicans in the Senate are going to uh, demand that a, a commission be established to take 10 days to look at all the accusations of fraud before certifying. That's not going to happen. But, Jim, we also have two members of Georgia's House delegation, uh, Jody Heiss and Barry Loudermilk, who have said they'll participate in the effort to shut this down, uh, to keep the uh, conversation uh, going. Jim? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, from 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 what I understand of the process, the most that they can do is 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 especially if they uh, 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 focus on these the the five swing states that include Georgia is they can challenge each state's uh, uh, electoral college representation. Uh, at which point both sides go into separate cha- corners and 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 they debate and then they come back. So you, you could have you could have an all day process. Uh, I am actually more concerned about what's going to be happening outside the Capitol, uh, because mm-hmm. you've had you've had uh, 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 an extensive Republican effort to to flood the streets. Uh, we know the Proud Boys are going to be there. Uh, we know we know uh, uh, a, a good many uh, uh, white militia extremists are going to be on the street, likely carrying weapons, uh, and it's going to be very very important to keep those people away from. Uh, from from uh, uh, supporters of Joe Biden who come out as countermarchers. Yeah, the president has said he'll be there. In fact, they've moved this rally to basically the ellipse across the street from the uh, White House, the South Lawn of the White House. So uh, uh, it will be within sight of the uh, president uh, in in his home. Uh, his at this point, uh, Brian Robinson. Let's stipulate going in that in two thousand five, Senator Barbara Boxer. And a Ohio congresswoman both objected to the certification of the Electoral College votes uh, because they were challenging the way that voting had taken place in the state of Ohio. And Democrats at that point made statements, as did Republicans, that we can now look back on and say there's enough hypocrisy on both sides of this thing in terms of whether it's appropriate or not appropriate to challenge the electoral uh, college vote. So I stipulate that going in. But, Brian, in 2005, uh, John Kerry, the presidential candidate, 
had already conceded the election and was not even in the country when this happened. The difference is, as you well know, Brian, the president of the United States is fomenting all of this today. And it strikes me that's a very important distinction to make, Brian. Yeah. You know, one thing, Bill, that's been interesting to me as I focus group people in my social circle, family and friends, is so much of the support for President Trump and his position on this, a lot of it's not really about what the facts are on the ground on the election, about whether or not it's stolen, whether or not there was fraud. A lot of it is a reaction to what they see as unfair opposition to President Trump, that he was under attack from day one, and Democrats tried to delegitimize him. And I, I was talking with one, one Republican who seriously considered voting for Biden, liked Biden just fine, but voted for Trump, and he said, I'm voting against the media because everything was so negative. Everything from the very beginning was an attack on Trump. And a lot of these, you know, we've got conspiracy theories on the Republican side. There are a lot of conspiracy theories about President Trump and the media not didn't condemn them. They actually furthered them. And so I think you going back to 05, I think is very fair because it does show that this distrust in the system has been sowed by both sides. We saw it here in 2018 in Georgia after our election where the Democrats so doubt about the processes in Georgia. So both sides have done it. I think that this is obviously an elevation of it. I, I acknowledge that, Bill, that this is taking it to a, to a different level. But I do hope that from January 21st on, and I don't think this is going to happen, but we need to love America more than we love the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. And we are heading down the toilet if we don't do something to move past this hatred this rage, it is going to destroy the greatest country to ever be on the face of the earth if we don't go a different direction and rebuild trust in our democracy and quit demonizing uh, the other side. And Democrats demonize Republicans, Republicans demonize Democrats. It's, it's, it's bipartisan, and it's got to change, or we will all suffer. All right, I want to get Raina and Mary Margaret in, but before I do, Brian, I, I do want to very quickly say, when you say the media has um, encouraged, has uh, of, has promoted conspiracy theories about President Trump, I'm really not sure. I'd love for you to send me a note. Show me what are the conspiracy theories that, say, the New York Times, Washington Post, GPB, the AJC, have promoted around uh, President Trump. And I'd love, I, if you get me some of those, I'd love to have them on the show tomorrow. Raina, here's one thing thing, though, for sure. Uh, the cliche is true. Don't start picking fights with people who buy ink by the barrel. And in many ways, President Trump has brought on some of the adversarial reporting because he's the one who first started talking about fake news. Yeah, the enemy of the people, the fake news, all of that. And it's intentional. You know, he knows how to to stir the pot, obviously. But um, I do agree with Brian on the state of our democracy and uh, since 2008, perhaps sooner, uh, it's been chipping away, uh, it feels like. Um, and now there, it, it feels like a sledgehammer has been taken to, to our democracy and our democratic process. And at some point, uh, we have to get back on track for the good of the nation, whether you're Democrat, Republican, or, or Republican, or in between. 
I'm concerned uh, on Wednesday, not only about what's going to happen uh, in Washington, D.C., but how that's going to reverberate throughout the country, whether we're going to see, uh, you know, little flash ups um, here in Georgia and other places, uh, protests and things of that nature, and whether they hopefully, you know, if if there are demonstrations that they remain peaceful and safe. The truth Mary is Margaret? what Brian is, is talking about is evidenced by the fact that Biden won. And as we move forward, um, I'm, I'm struck again by Jody Heiss and Barry Loudermilk are not going to be part of any meaningful uh, resolution of any issue going forward. The New York Times did a very detailed story about how the stimulus package came about, uh, the problem-solving caucus, the lead from the middle, who, what, where, and when made that package happen. Of course, then the president tried to derail in a ridiculous way. Um, reflects that how the new wave is going to have to come forward um, and behind the scenes work together to produce at least some progress on the significant issues facing our country. But that is why Biden won, and that is why I've got some hope uh, beginning Wednesday for new leadership for Georgia and the nation. Jim? Yeah, it, look, uh, you, you've got uh, the, this. The Senate, these two Senate runoffs, really exemplify what's been what's happening in the United States. To Brian's point, but I, I do have to say, the two Democrats, Warnock and Ossoff, they are not they are not posing this as an apocalypse. Uh, it, that's on the Republican side. Win Georgia, save America. That's an interesting message. It means on Wednesday, if Republicans lose, do we still have an America? I think that I think that's a question they're going to have to answer. I think that's an incredibly important point. And, and it does lead me to say, Jim, that I've gotten some uh, criticism, and I think it's been correct, from listeners who've said that I have proposed that this whole election has been around uh, 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 negative advertising, negative messaging. There hasn't been any talk of issues. And I think it's fair to say that we've heard more from Warnock and uh, uh, Ossoff about issues than we have on the Republican side, where it has been a lot about fighting uh, socialism. So I want to say that. I also want to say, Brian Robinson, that I shouldn't overlook your comment. We really do need to figure out a way after all this is over with, to bring this country back together again. And I, and I applaud you for uh, saying that. And I think you're one of the people on the Republican side of the aisle who always has an open hand uh, to the other side. And I don't want that to go unacknowledged on the show today, Brian. So thank you very much for uh, bringing that up. Um, and that's a, a, really a promise of ours moving forward in 2021. We have always tried hard to have respectful conversations that give uh, people of varying opinions, different sides of the aisle, an opportunity to speak. Um, I try to respect them. They certainly show respect for each other. And I'm very grateful for that as we move on in our new year here. And I'm very grateful to all of you out there who continue to uh, find Political Rewind important in your lives. Raina Cash, Jim Galloway, Mary Margaret, Oliver, Brian Robinson, a very happy new year to all of you. Thank you so much for being with us today. Sam Burmistaz, Jesse Neiswanger, Amelia Brock, I'm glad we're heading into a new year all together as a team on Political Rewind. That's it for us today. We're back with a new show again tomorrow. In the meantime, take care, stay healthy, wear a mask, 
And if you haven't voted yet, get out there early tomorrow because the lines could be really long. See you tomorrow. <laughs>